Wow, we have a quite interesting study tonight in the book of Genesis. It's one of those studies where you remember the story because it's quite bizarre, quite fascinating how God was working in these people's lives in the times of Abraham, in the times of Jacob, and how he was working out his sovereign plan despite their own failures, despite their own mistakes, misunderstandings. God was working through all of it. He was sovereign. We've been following Abraham's son, his grandson, Jacob. And how Jacob, throughout his life, had this sibling rivalry with his brother Esau. As they were growing up, Jacob and Esau were were quite different in character. Jacob was a dweller of tents, kind of close to his mom, and his mom favored him, mild-mannered. And Esau was a man who was a man's man, who was a manly man, who loved to hunt, who loved to be outdoors, and his father Isaac loved him for this. And Jacob and Esau, because of this favoritism, there grew a a rivalry amongst the two of them. And Jacob was a manipulator, the younger brother. He was a man who would usurp the authority of his older brother Esau. He was a man who would trick Esau and his father, Isaac, out of the firstborn's inheritance, out of the spiritual rights, which were Esau's to claim. And now Jacob, as a manipulator, has been forced to flee from his family, to leave his brother Esau with the danger of Esau killing him. And as Jacob is now fleeing his family, he's heading towards his uncle, his uncle Laban. And it is his uncle which will be used in Jacob's life to give Jacob a taste of his own medicine. You see, as he went to his uncle, he found his uncle had a a beautiful daughter named Rachel. And Jacob fell in love with Rachel, so much so that he vowed to Laban, his uncle, that he would serve him for seven years of service. And Laban, the trickster and shrewd man he was, he pulled a fast one on Jacob. When they were having the wedding, for some reason, Jacob didn't notice that he had Leah as the bride there. The veil was covering her face, perhaps. Perhaps Laban had given him too much alcohol to drink and Jacob was intoxicated. And so the next morning when he woke up and saw it was Leah, Next to him in the bed, he went to Laban and said, what is this that you've done? And Jacob was experiencing what it felt like to be lied to, to be manipulated by. So Laban said, all right, fine. Here's the deal. I'm going to give you the daughter you wanted also as a wife, Rachel. 
but you're going to have to serve me seven more years on top of the seven years you're already serving for her. And so shortly after this, he spent the time that it was required on the honeymoon for Leah, and then he went right on to marry Rachel. Now entering into this polygamous marriage, which is not what God had designed. And this brought much division amongst the family, as you can imagine. Leah felt unloved by her husband, Jacob. So because of Leah's suffering, God looked upon Leah and decided to bless her womb with children. In chapter 29, we read about how Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah were all sons who were born to Leah. And these sons, each of their names, referencing the type of, of emotional turmoil that Leah was going through, even relating to God. And if this is where we pick up in the account of Jacob and Leah and Rachel. So now in Genesis chapter 30, we look at these two sisters. It says in verse one, now when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, Give me children or else I die. You see, Rachel here is now in the place of envy. Envy leading to despair. She is here looking at her sister and how God has blessed her. In verse two, it says, And Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel. And he said, am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? See, Jacob perhaps realizing that it wasn't him who was impotent because he was having sons with with Leah. Isn't that kind of a cruel thing to say to a, a wife, though, who's struggling with bearing children? Saying, I'm not God. I, I can't control this. Well, I don't know how the tone of his voice was when he said it. In verse three, it says, so she said, here is my maid Bilhah. Go into her and she will bear a child on my knees that I also may have children by her. So we see Rachel kind of reminding us of who? Sarah, right? Sarah and Abraham. Rachel here is growing in envy, in loneliness, seeking love. And she makes this deal with her husband. She says, look, okay, I cannot give you children. So I'm going to give you my maid, Bilhah, that you would have children through her as a surrogate by proxy. Now, there are interesting views on surrogacy in the Bible. And this is, in fact, how Jacob ended up with his many wives. Now, I I remind us that God did not have this as his design. He had to forbid it eventually in the law of Moses in order to stop men and women from 
following in their flesh and from having these polygamous relationships, it was becoming a problem. God designed Adam and Eve in the garden to be a one husband and one wife. Now, right here, Jacob doesn't seem to be complaining about the maid as being another wife of his and as having children with him. So it says in verse four, then she gave him Bilhah, her maid as wife, and Jacob went into her. And Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged my case and he has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore, she called his name Dan. That name Dan means literally a judge. I have some friends named Dan and I'm reminded, I'm like, oh, all right. Their name means a judge. I'll share that with them. Little evangelism opportunity. In verse seven, it says, and Rachel's maid, Bilhah, conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, with great wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister and indeed I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali, meaning wrestling. Now notice this, Rachel's maid is having these children and the second one that she has, she's saying that she's still wrestling with her sister. And what that shows us is that she is not content with what God has given her. She's still in envy. She's still in strife with her sister. She still wants that son of her own. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong to long for a child. Her, her loneliness, it's valid. But the envy towards her sister, which is leading her to having her husband marry another wife, that's where the sin begins. We need to learn, even when we're in those places of loneliness, to trust in the Lord, to not be like Sarah and Abraham who acted in the flesh and had Ishmael as a son. So she's wrestling here. So she names the last son Naphtali. And then in verse nine, when Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, she took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her to Jacob as wife. Now, this is not Rachel. This is Leah now. She's, for some reason, stopping to have children. So she follows suit in getting her maid to now be with her husband. It says, and Leah's maid, Zilpah, bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, a troop comes. So she called his name Gad, meaning literally a troop. I'm almost wondering if this name, in fact, was almost just to kind of show, shove it in Rachel's face. Look at I have all these children now through myself and now even through the maid. A troop comes, all these sons. And then in verse 12, and Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Wow. 
We're usually now on the, the two-child rule now here uh, in California, but they're going for it. They got a lot of kids. Verse 13, then Leah said, I am happy for the daughters will call me blessed. So she called his name Asher, meaning happy. And then in verse 14, it says, Now Reuben went in the days of wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. So we have Reuben here, the firstborn of all the children of Jacob, born to Leah, and Reuben goes out and he finds these roots, these mandrakes. And these mandrakes in that time were believed to be an aphrodisiac, which was to promote childbirth. And so Rachel sees Leah's son Reuben with these mandrakes and says, oh, I, I want those for myself so I could have children of my own. So she asks for Leah's son's mandrakes. And then in verse 15, but she said to her, is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? You could hear the tension between these two women. This And Rachel said, therefore, he will lie with you tonight for your son's mandrakes. So we have here now the hiring of Jacob. It is quite ironic. You see, Rachel is longing so much so for a child of her own that she's now reaching out to, to trust in these roots, these mandrakes, rather than trusting in the Lord. So by doing so, by taking these mandrakes, she gives away her husband to Leah again. And then in verse 16, it says, When Jacob came out of the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come into me, for I have surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. And he lay with her that night. And God listened to Leah, and she conceived, and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me my wages, because I have given my maid to my husband. So she called his name Issachar. So Issachar's name, it means he will bring reward. And this is the irony of this whole situation. You have both women. They're fighting to fulfill their need for love in their heart. And both are ending up in just a deeper sorrow than before. By Leah, or I'm, excuse me, by Rachel giving her husband away to Leah for mandrakes, she in fact is not able to have a child without her husband. And then Leah ends up getting pregnant. And so we just have this, this hole in the hearts of these women that is not being filled by God. 
And they're trying to fill that hole, that void in their heart for love with their husband's love, with children. But there is a need in the heart of every man and woman that only God can fill. When we are abiding in Christ, he allows us to go through seasons of loneliness at times. He allows us to go through seasons of emptiness. But he doesn't leave us. The Bible teaches us that godliness with contentment is great gain. That we are to be satisfied in the Lord. That he meets our needs. That God is everything that we need. But Leah and Rachel, they are learning this as they are going through these, these trials. Look at verse 19. Then Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. And Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. So she called his name Zebulun, meaning exalted. And then in verse 21, afterwards she bore a daughter and called her name Dinah. And Dinah meaning judgment. Now it is quite interesting in these Eastern cultures and even to this day, to the Jews, when they would have a son, there would be, uh, have everyone come over. It would be quite a celebration when they were gonna have a, a child. And then finally the, the midwife would come out and say, it was a boy and everyone would be like, yay, and they would party. And strangely enough, when it was a girl, they'd be like, all right, everybody go home. And that's just how the culture was back then. I'm not saying it's right. It's just something to understand about the context of the people we're reading about. Now in verse 22, it says, Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. So she called his name Joseph and said, the Lord shall add to me another son. This reproach she felt, the shame, this taunting from people, this scorn, God took that away from her. It wasn't her husband. It wasn't the children through her maid. It was God. You see the answer that we're looking for? It's God. Joseph, this first son that she finally has herself. His name literally means Jehovah has added. And when I think about all the things that God has added to my life, it's beautiful. I rejoice. Joseph is a good name. I have a nephew named Joseph. 
And God has definitely added him to our family. Now verse 25. And it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own place and to my country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you and let me go. For you know my service, which I have done for you. And Laban said to him, please stay. If I have found favor in your eyes, for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Now what we're witnessing is the birth of the 12 tribes of Israel. This is where we get the 12 tribes from. It's from Jacob's 12 sons that he had with all these women. And as this family grew, Laban was being blessed. God blessed Laban, Jacob's uncle, through this family because Jacob was now having children and building on the farming and building on the agriculture there and all the livestock. And Laban was benefiting from all that Jacob was doing. And it is quite interesting now. We read in verse 27 that Laban is asking Jacob to stay with him because Jacob wants to go. He wants to take his family and move on because they're growing big. And Laban says, I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. That Hebrew word for experience literally means by divination, by signs, and by omens, which is quite interesting. We do also read later on in the next couple chapters how Laban's family, they had these idols that they would practice idolatry with. So Laban, somewhere in his divination and his experiences that he was having, came across the truth that God was actually blessing him because of Jacob and not because of his idols. So because of this, Laban is saying, please, Jacob, just stay with me. Like, name your wages and I will give it to you. So in verse 29, it says, so Jacob said to him, you know how I have served you and how your livestock has been with me. For what you had before I came was little, and it has increased to a great amount. The Lord has blessed you since my coming. And now, when shall I also provide for my own house? So, in these next few verses, we're about to witness Jacob's dealing mindset again, the way he was wise. In verse 31, it says, So he said, What shall I give you? And Jacob said, You shall not give me anything if you will do this thing for me. I will again feed and keep your flocks. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from there all the speckled and spotted sheep and all the brown ones among the lambs and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and these shall be my wages. Now, there is an interesting thing about 
the speckled and the, the spotted lambs, the goats. You see, those were seen as of less value than those that were pure colored, those that were a solid color. They were blemished. And in sacrifice, God would require that you would take one of these goats, cut it, burn it, barbecue it. But God required that you had an unblemished lamb, a lamb or a goat that was without speckles. It needed to be perfect because it needed to be holy, set apart for God's use. And in that same manner, a perfect sacrifice was necessary in order that there can be forgiveness, atonement for the sins of the entire world. There was a high price for a perfect sacrifice. And that high price was God's only son. So what Jacob here is asking for of Laban, he doesn't ask for the best. He just says, give me the speckled ones. I'll take the ones you don't want. I'm reminded of how Jesus oftentimes will select people that humans wouldn't pick if, if they could. Many times Jesus picks the ones that are broken and he uses them to do great things. So here Jacob is gathering now these goats and, and the sheep that are speckled and spotted. He says in verse 33, so my righteousness will answer for me in time to come when the subject of my wages comes before you. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the lambs will be considered stolen if it is with me. So here Jacob again is asking to receive all the goats and lambs, the ones that are not strong or the pure colored ones, but he wants the litters and the runts of the family, the blemished. And then in verse 34, and Laban said, oh, that it were according to your word. Translation, deal. In verse 35, so he removed that day, this is Laban now, Laban removed that day the male goats that were speckled and spotted, all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, everyone that had some white in it and all the brown ones among the lambs and gave them into the hand of his sons that he put three days journey between himself and Jacob and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. In verse 37, now Jacob took for himself rods of green, poplar and of the almond and chestnut trees, peeled white strips in them, and exposed the white which was in the rods. And the rods 
which he had pilled, he set before the flocks in the gutters and the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink so that they should come conceive when they came to drink. So this is what is happening. Jacob receives all the speckled goats and and sheep and then is put this three days journey between Laban's flocks and his flocks. And many uh, Bible scholars believe when it's referring to this, it's, it's three days journey by livestock, not by, by man. So not super far. And there, this is quite an interesting thing now that we read Jacob doing. It's quite mysterious. But Jacob being a farmer, being a husband mend, him growing up, knowing how to raise livestock there since he was dwelling with his mother near the tents, knew about having them have children and tricks and things to do to make them have these children. But more importantly, later on we're going to reveal how God was leading Jacob in this. It says again in verse 39, So the flocks conceived before the rods, and the flocks brought forth, streaked, speckled, and spotted. Then Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face toward the streaked and all the brown in the flock of Laban. But he put his own flocks by themselves and did not put them with Laban's flock. And it came to pass... Whenever the stronger livestock conceived that Jacob placed the rods before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters that they might conceive among the rods. But when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger were Jacob's. So now Jacob here, he's making these spotted goats and sheep stronger than Laban's were. He's a very wise and shrewd man, we read as Jacob. Still that manipulation is in his life, but sometimes he's using it for a positive means. And then in verse 43, it says, Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks, female and male servants and camels and donkeys. Now, we're going to get into verse, uh, chapter 31 a little bit. But as I'm reading about these, these goats and these flocks, I'm wondering, God, what are you trying to say? Sometimes when you re- read the Bible, you read your chapter in the morning at the end of it, you're like, what? <laughs> God, what do, what, do you, what do you want me to learn from this? And that's where the practice of meditating on the word of God comes into play. We think about how Jacob was feeding his sheep, feeding his flock so that they could become strong. And I'm reminded that we are God's sheep. And if we want to become strong in the Lord, we need to be fed We need to hear good, solid Bible teaching. We need to read the Bible ourselves. 
And for the leaders and, and teachers, they need to be feeding the sheep. I've seen how God, when you have strong and healthy sheep in the church, strong and healthy Christians spiritually, they will beget other strong sheep. The sheep beget the sheep. I don't have to, every time I, I, I teach, emphasize only on evangelism so that people can spread the gospel. When I teach the word of God through the Bible, God creates a full, mature believer in myself and believer in others when we read the entire Bible. And by doing so, that Christian will then influence other believers to grow, to grow strong. You see, I don't have to find church-growing programs online. I don't need to seek out what the statistics are and growing churches. And though those things can give us some light and do some good, when we allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us, there's not striving. I don't have to worry about the numbers. In fact, I'm exhorted not to count the numbers, but to be faithful and giving good, solid food to the flock that God brings. And this is why we are here. This is why we meet together. I want to encourage us, if you are able, to come in person. And I know this is a, a season of, of much fear and, and reasons to stay home. But if you are able, come out. Come hear the word of God. Grow strong. It's much better when we hear in person because there's fellowship. There is a something that can't even be recorded on a video camera that is happening when the word of God is going out into the hearts of his people. And it's beautiful. So I encourage us, keep digging in God's word. I digress. Chapter 31. It says in verse one, now Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's and from what was our father's, he has acquired all this wealth. And Jacob saw the countenance of Laban and indeed it was not favorable toward him as before. So Laban's family is now complaining about Jacob's family. And then Jacob starts to notice like, man, Laban's been giving me the dirty look, dude. He's been giving me like mad dog looks from across the table lately. And so Jacob's starting to realize, I think it's time to go. And maybe that's a word of the Lord for some people. <laughs> In verse, thir verse three, then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your family and I will be with you. Hmm, that's a comfort. When God calls you to go somewhere, go with him. When you see a flow of the Holy Spirit, jump in it. 
God will be with you. In verse four, so Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field, to his flock, and said to them, I see your father's countenance, that it is not favorable toward me as before, but the God of my father has been with me. And you know that with all my might, I have served your father. Yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages 10 times, but God did not allow him to hurt me. If he said thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore speckled. And if he said thus, the streaked shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked. So God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. See, Jacob is saying, look, this is God who's been blessing us. Um, your father has been the one who's been deceiving and taking the, the best for himself. But God is prospering us and it's time for us to go. He's explaining this to his wives. He's having that conversation. Now in verse 10. And it happened at the time when the flocks conceived that I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream. And behold, the rams, not the football team, but the rams which leaped upon the flocks were streaked, speckled, and gray spotted. Then the angel of God spoke to me in a dream, saying, Jacob. And I said, here I am. See, this is where we see the power of God in Jacob's life. This is where we see where Jacob was strong and God was directing him in these, these agricultural things, these livestock things. God was blessing him through even this vision. Look at verse 12. And he said, lift your eyes now and see all the rams which leap on the flocks are streaked, speckled, and gray spotted. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of this land and return to the land of your family. Wow. God was giving him the, the secret of how to, to prosper, even despite Laban's trickiness. And I love how God told Jacob, I know what Laban's doing to you, Jacob. I know how you feel cheated, how it's a struggle. And there's going to be people in our lives who cheat us. There's going to be people in our lives who rob us and steal from us, people who do wrong against us, who betray us. And God knows. We need to know when God is telling us to stay, when he's telling us to go. That's where the abiding comes from. God reminds Jacob how he took that pillar that he was sleeping on, that rock, and then he saw in the dream this vision of the angels ascending to and fro, this ladder to heaven. God 
and the kingdom of heaven touching earth. And as Jacob sees this, he remembers that God is with him. So Jacob, in, in a form of sacrifice, in a form of saying, God, I, I want this. I want to follow you. He, he begins now to, to leave his ways of deceiving, of manipulation, and he pours oil on that rock that he was sleeping on as a sacrifice. This is the beginning of, of Jacob's conviction in his heart. This is the beginning of Jacob, the man who grabs at another's heels, to Jacob, the man called Israel, a man who wrestles with God, a man governed by God. And God is leading him. We're going to stop here for today. I think it's uh, as much as I want to keep going. It's a good place to stop. We can look at some of the lessons that we've been learning. Look at how God was that missing component in the hearts of Leah and Rachel. They were seeking love from their husband, they were seeking love from, from children, which are things that are normal. But they weren't content. Rachel was envious, leading to sin. So may we be content with what God has given us today. May we be thankful for what God has given us. And may we also trust in God's sovereignty, in his plan for our life. May we trust God as our provider, knowing that it is him who increases our life, that we should go to him for his words, that we can be strong spiritually, and that we can help other believers also be strong, help them grow. And may we as a church continue to be used mightily by the Holy Spirit today. If you're listening to this and it's premiering right now, or you're perhaps you're listening to it days later, you have the rest of the day left. What do you want to do with it? Do you want to spend it on what God wants you to do so that you might have his glory lived through your life? Do you want to read and spend time in your word so that he can minister to you? I think you should. I think you should allow him to let you live that purpose-filled life that he is calling you to. May you be filled with his grace, with his peace, with his forgiveness, knowing that his son was that perfect sacrifice because he loves you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening, Lord. We thank you for how forgiving you are. Father, may you go before us as 
We come into situations where we are lonely. We are in need. Father, we ask that you would help us to be content in you. May we wait patiently for your perfect will to be done. Remove envy from our hearts. Remove striving. Father, I I pray that you would give us a heart that desires to be spiritually strong, that we might make others also spiritually strong. Use us. May your Holy Spirit fill us. We love you. We praise you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, again, just a reminder, this Sunday is Communion Sunday. Uh, So if you're going to meet us here, we will have those bread and cups ready for you. But if you're going to be watching online from at home, have that ready so you can join us in communion. But we love you. We're praying for you. Reach out. Call someone. Pray with them. And continue to grow in the love of God. darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, That is who you are You are way maker, miracle worker Promise keeper, light in the darkness My God, that is who you are 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 when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, never stop working. You never stop, never stop. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, never stop working. You never stop, never stop. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are. That is who Love you guys. See you Sunday morning. In Jesus' name.